Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Emerging Stories podcast. We're actually nearing the end now of this first season, which is said. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. Some great conversations still to come. But I'm just aware that now I need to start thinking about recording some conversations for season two. And so if, as you've been listening, you've had thoughts of, oh, this person would be great, or Tom should totally speak to this person and we should totally hear their story, then please do get in touch. If we know each other personally, then great, that's super easy to do. But if not, please do just ask permission before sharing contact details and things like that. But we'd love just to hear from people who are outside of my own sphere, people that I don't know of yet. That would be fantastic. Anyway, on to this week's episode. Uh, This is a wonderful, quite unique conversation with people who are doing something that I've not come across anybody doing something like this before. This is Tim and Joy Watson, and you'll hear all about what they're up to in a second. Uh, When we had this conversation, I didn't really know them very well. I kind of met them at various events and things, Uh, got to know them a bit better since, and they are just honestly beautiful people. Just a quick note on the audio on this one. Uh, When we recorded it, it was at their farm. I tried to prioritize being in people's own spaces when, when I do this. And there was no electricity yet at that point. And so I had to be a little bit creative in how I went about recording it. So the audio is not as good on this one. Apologies. Hopefully it's still manageable. But anyway, I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Do share it with people if you enjoy it. Get in touch with us. Let us know what you think. All right, let's go. you start by just telling us who you are and where you're from and what you do with your days? Okay, we're Tim and Joy Watson. Um, we're part-time farmers, part-time for me, finance director for you, part-time counsellor, yeah, and part-time house builders and, and dream makers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a fancy job title. No, we just make it up as we go along. And where are you both from originally? So I'm from Cardiff, but but my family moved, and and my parents parents were Welsh, so I'm Welsh. I think of myself as Welsh. Feel very proud to be Welsh, but I can't speak Welsh, and um, I don't have a Welsh accent because we grew up in. England, so we moved when I was five to England, grew up there. And I'm English, uh, grew up in Northamptonshire, and um, when I met Joy, I was thinking, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get married, a couple of years in Wales, get the girl, move away. <laughs> so I kind of moved down to South Wales to get the girl, really. <clears throat> He got the girl. And I got the girl. <laughs> and still got the girl. And here I am. <laughs> so I've been, we've li- been living here for 30 plus years. 31 no, years. 31 Actually years. 31 and a half because you <clears throat> moved about six months before we got married. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we've tried to get out how many times? 
Like, you have tried to get us out of Wales. Yeah, we've had a few near misses. Yeah, and like a long way, you know, like we, a couple of times we were going to go to the States, so it's not like oh, kind right. of round the corner. Yeah. It was like quite big moves that were like this close mm. and just didn't happen. So... But we're here. We're here. And it's for this. And it, yeah, so. for such a time as this. <laughs> okay, so this is a big fast forward then, but we are currently set on a building site. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, overlooking... Mountain Ash, is that Mountain Ash? That's, That's Mountain, Mountain Ash. Ash. Yeah. So, how did you get here? <laughs> okay. That's a really long story. It depends how long you want it to be, really. We'll keep it fairly short. Um, we we moved out of... Uh, we, we lived in Cardiff for pretty much all of our married life. We moved out of our then family home in October, end of October 2015... And we had a property in mind to go to, um, and it was about three or four months gap. Can I just interject a little bit? Because, like, probably for maybe five to ten years prior to moving out of our home in Cardiff, we'd had a growing sense of that God wanted us to be somewhere more rural with space where we could host things, uh, worship and, and whatever else really. So, um, the, the, we tried to sell our house like loads of times, didn't we? And it, it hadn't sold and it wasn't, there was nothing wrong with it. It just hadn't sold. So, it kind of that it's a really shortcut to say we moved out of our house. Mm. We did, but it, but before that, there were probably five to ten years of kind of expecting God to do something, expecting that there was going to be a shift. Um, so the property that we had in mind, <clears throat> we th- we put an offer in. We thought it was accepted, but we basically got gazumped, and somebody put in. A, a far higher offer at the time that we couldn't meet so we we let that go and at the time you were reading Reese Howell's book yeah so we moved out of our family home and all our possessions went into storage they're still in storage that's six years they've been in storage now so I can't even remember exactly what we've got but anyway it's going to be like Christmas when we do move in here um we kept a few things because we knew that there was going to be this time lag of maybe three to six months. So you kind of take a couple of books that you think, oh, I haven't read that for a while. I'll take that with me. So one of the books was um, Reese Howell, Intercessor, mm-hmm. which I'd read when I was a student. So like decades before, and I thought, oh, I haven't read that for ages. So I think I'd like to read that again. So um, actually, the day... Before we heard from the estate agent that we'd been gazumped, I had been reading in this book that um, if God wants you to have... This is literally what it said. If God wants you to have a property, there's nothing that the vendor can do to stop you having that property. So I read that and I underlined it because I thought, Mm -hmm. ha, that's cool, isn't it? And then the next day... We heard from the estate agents that we'd been gazumped. And so we're like, oh, oh, okay. 
well, if God wants us to have this property, there's nothing that the vendor can do to stop us having this property. So we kind of thought, all right, well, this will probably come back again in a week or so because we thought it was the right one, didn't we? Mm -hmm. But it didn't. And so we we kind of, we, we felt prompted to just kind of go into a 40-day fast. It wasn't like a complete fast. Um, don't want to give anyone the wrong idea about our levels of spirituality. But, um, but, it, but it was fasting in various ways for us that was kind of like committing ourselves to waiting on God and seeing what happened. Mm. And it didn't come back. So it was like, okay, we've got to let this go. Mm. So we did. And then I think... Some good friends of ours emigrated to uh, Toronto. Toronto. B and Joe. Uh, B had a just had a, a word for us and said, "I really feel you're going to find the property before we fly." And we thought, "Oh, she's so lovely. She's so lovely." So they're a young couple. Really, you know, just we love them. But it was kind of like, yeah, you've no idea what the market is like out there. There's nothing there. We've scoured the market by this point. But she really wants to encourage but us. But she wants so to encourage us. So it's kind of like, oh, thanks. <laughs> Which is terrible. Which is terrible because we had no, you know, we totally underestimated that. And um, actually the day they flew, I had a phone call from the estate agent to say a, uh, a farm is about to come on the market. We think there'll be a lot of interest from London. Uh, would you be interested? And um, they said, you know, I hear you're still looking for uh, property with land. Anyway, we had the details through. And it had a lot of land, but it was absolutely awful. It looked awful. Mm -hmm. But we thought, Do you know what, we'd better have a look. Well, well because it felt, it was, it felt so clear, so... Like, we we had been out of our home now uh, for seven or eight months, and we'd never had an estate agent ring us. We You could go around the estate agents, tell them what you're looking for. No one had called us. Yeah. And then randomly, on the day that this couple went to Toronto, we had a call from an agent. Yeah. Um, so the house that we had been going to buy, that we lost, had it was beautiful, rural... 20 acres that's what we were looking for we were looking for a property with about 20 acres so that we could do some projects on the land but you know 20 acres kind of manageable so um when the guy rang uh here to speak to tim uh tim said oh how much land has it got and the agent said 336 acres (laughs) so we just laughed because it was like so ridiculous so we came to look at it it was a terrible day and we came up the drive which as you know isn't great and we got to the top and like oh my heart sank I cried all the way home I said to Tim there's no way I'm gonna live there um, it's, it was just terrible. On the um, particulars from the agent, there were no internal photos. So you always know, don't you, when there are no internal photos, that's like a big clue. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, it, was, it was really, really grim. But <clears throat> I really loved it. Tim really um, loved it. Because of the land, because of the mm. potential. Um, but Joy didn't, and she said, oh, I... She wrote it off 
Um, so I was just praying, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to push it pushed Joy into something she doesn't want to do so Lord if this is of you if you want us to do it then you've got to convince Joy because I'm not going to push her into it so um, anyway there was a a long process yeah no I just want to say something else because like the interesting thing is that we would never have come to look at this property if the agent hadn't rung us Mm. on Mm. that day Mm. yeah that's true so I I feel really emotional talking about it because it was like if we'd seen the particulars, we would have seen it on right move, and I would have gone, huh, look at this, this is ridiculous, 336 acres, what nurse is going to buy that? Yeah. And the, with that terrible house on it. But because of the sequence of events, I mean, the other thing was, Tim had had a dream just a week before mm. this, uh, the agent rang. So there were like these whole series of events mm. that happened. So when this happened on the day... Although it, was, it could be quite random, it, it so wasn't. It just felt like everything was kind of converging, converging and yeah. funneling us to like, here it is, da-da, this is it. And I come and think, no way, I'm not going to live there. This is terrible. Mm. So, yeah, so that was in the May, May. Mm. of 2017. No, 2016. 16. And we eventually put an offer in in the August. So when you got the place, what next? Did you just set about pulling things down or...? No, we thought initially we were going to renovate. And um, I started that process and started, you know, a little bit of taking things down but not too major because I was thinking I don't want to take stuff down if we can't you know we have to put it back so um, but there was damp everywhere it was in a shocking state there was damp coming up from the floor uh, coming in through the stone and the roof was leaking so whichever way around you know 360 degrees it was it was damp Mm. um and after about a month, we thought, do you know what, this is going to cost us so much money to redo. And actually, it doesn't look very nice anyway. Um, and then we started thinking about uh, rebuilding, knocking it down and starting again. Mm. Um, but that's a lengthy process. It requires planning um, uh, because it's a rural property that wasn't that easy to get. So in some ways, I... I started knocking it, you know, knocking it about, but then when we went for planning, thought we'd better not do too much because yeah. if we don't get planning, we'll have to, you know, again, put back what we yeah. took down. So yeah. we were kind of in limbo at that point. But all that, t- the farm was in such a terrible state. Um, so we used to have, like, work parties up, didn't we? Some amazing people who may even be listening to this right now, would come and just, you know, give some time on a Saturday and help us clear. There was, like, there was plastic everywhere, there was metal everywhere, there was just crud everywhere, wasn't it? And it took... Well, I mean, it's still a mess in some ways, but it's, uh, like, a bit more ordered now. Um, It was in a really bad state. Uh, We did 
I can't remember how many trips we did to the skip. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know. Because we couldn't get junk. a skipper at that point. Well, we probably could, but we're trying to save money as well. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, if you can fill up the back of your car and take it to the skip yourself, you know, that's that's great. So we did that for weeks and weeks months, and weeks and weeks. Months, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so the clearing. But it felt, it felt <clears throat> like a prophetic act. <clears throat> Everything... <clears throat> Because what had gone on here, I mean, we don't know all of it, but we picked up bits from different people. You know, it wasn't wasn't great what had gone on here. Um, but it was like every act of picking up something that shouldn't have been there felt like we're cleansing, cl- we're cleansing the land. Mm. Uh, we're reclaiming it back. We're, you know, pray- we were praying over the land maybe not always literally with words, but just by what we were doing. So it felt very prophetic Mm. what we were doing. Mm. And like that phase was a year, so we got it in the 16. 17, March 17. Oh, March 17. So for two years, that's all we did. For Mm. two years, we'd come up here and we'd just clear bits and get rid of stuff. Mm-hmm. and start to try and make some order um it's been it's been a massive project it's it has cons- it has consumed a lot of our energy um but we when we were in that in between space between buying it a bit between seeing it initially and then putting an offer in we uh it was really clear that God gave us the choice of coming here. Mm. It's like, I, I, I'd love you to come here, but you don't have to if you don't want to. Yeah, it would, there's been a cost to it. Mm. Um, but I think we knew that there would be. On, on every level, there's been a cost. But, but we did it because we felt that God, this is what God was asking us to do. Mm. So when you first got the place, was there a particular idea about what this was going to be and what it was for? And has that morphed or changed over time? Or do you still have a, a real sense of clarity about, yeah, what what is this for? Um, we, yeah, we've, we've got some specifics in that um, we felt we should continue to farm it. Um, in some way but also we felt we wanted to to be totally dedicated to the Lord because it, you know he got us into this he can help us get out of it type thing not quite but you know what I mean um, so we there's always been that aspect of you know we'd love it to be a space for worship we'd love it to be a space for retreat not a retreat centre but a space for retreat and for people to come and um, just breathe. Mm. Um, totally uh, feel that um, you know th- this is this is like 
an extension of the kingdom here. So as people step across the threshold, it's like you're um, entering into a different space mm. whereby... Um, kingdom. Yeah, whereby uh, people become more susceptible to hearing his voice. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. kind of idea. Yeah, okay. uh, just like <clears throat> with embassies, you know, the American embassy in London is part of the US. Um, and that idea of this is like an embassy of heaven. So as soon as people step across the threshold, it's, you know, they're in the kingdom. Yeah. Even though the earth is the laws and everything in it, but but yeah. this is his spot. So we felt felt like that. We've always wanted a worship barn over there. I was uh, I was just going to say. Um, so really early on, we changed the name of the farm. Mm. So when we bought it, it was called Getley the Farm, right. which means Black Grove. Um, and I think that was largely because um, we're in Mountain Ash, mm -hmm. uh, which, and there used to be a, like a coking plant as well as some mines here. So there would have been a lot of ash, black dust everywhere. So I think that kind of probably gives an explanation as to why this was called Getley the Farm. Yeah. Um, but it didn't feel like it was what we wanted it to now be called because okay it's part of its history this area but it's not what we're expecting this place to be moving forward so yeah really early on we named it Bringobaith which means hill of hope mm. because that's that's what we want this place to be we want it to be a place of hope for whoever comes here um and like like we started off with some a sense of vision and and purpose like um, like Tim's talked about but as well as those things I think we want creativity um, opportunities for business for people growing food production um, yeah I mean in a, in a way because there's so much land the possibilities are almost endless and yeah. because the the land is quite diverse, isn't it? Um, so w one of the things that we will do now is we're going to become a partner with a conservation charity called Erosha. And they came to visit us recently and they were kind of blown away by the, the diversity of the environments and, you know, what, what's possible here. So... So I guess we're like we didn't come with that on our agenda at the beginning, did we? That this would be a place of conservation and that we might do things in that sense. But that feels like that might be a part of what we do. So mm. I think there'll be lots of parts. And I think we're absolutely expecting that we won't be doing everything that happens here. No. We'll, 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 you know, we're, we're going to create space and host space, I think. That's probably the way mm. I'm putting it. We're going to host space for lots of things to happen, hopefully. Yeah. So already we've had a family um, who become really dear friends move um, into the valley and um, they're working on a field down there to set up an aquaponics project, uh, which aquaponics is when you grow 
uh, like a salad leaves and things like that in um, low troughs in water that you've got fish at one end, they poo, their nitrate-rich poo kind of acts as a fertiliser and the produce grows very quickly. So we'd been interested in aquaponics even before we came to the farm, but... Uh, like there's loads of things we're interested in but we you know we've got to we can't do it all we can't do it all we've got to kind of pay the bills so we have to earn some money somewhere and yeah but there's going to be loads of opportunities for people who kind of like oh what could, could I try this so um another friend is like can we have a bee garden and have some beehives I'm like yeah sure so we're gonna have some yeah. beehives and a bee garden just over there so so yeah hopefully We'll, we'll have loads of things going on. Um, and uh, the friends who are doing the aquaponics, uh, she's also a Montessori teacher and doing for, hopes to do forest school. So we hope that these things over time will be happening on the land. So there'll be lots of different things yeah. happening, involving lots of different people. I mean, there's just too much for us to do, really, isn't there? Yeah, sure. And we, we never envisaged to be farming it intensively. Mm-hmm. Um, because partly because we're we're not farmers, we'll learn on the job. Um, but oddly enough, there's not enough land to make a real living out of it. Uh, there's not enough good pasture. Um, and secondly, intensive farming isn't always that good for the environment. So we want to uh, we want to be involved in healing the land. You know, seeing the land come to its fruition rather than just keep going and keep banging the drum of intensive farming mm. um, and you know it just gives an opportunity for us to uh, get involved in lots of different projects lots of different things mm. which um, which is exciting it's just really exciting yeah so you, you've hinted at this a few times already but I'm interested in this idea of space and land and we recently stayed in this like cabin that had been converted in the corner of a field in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And we arrived there and we sat in these chairs looking down the valley and we, we had our books with us, but it was almost like we, we didn't even want to read because just sitting there, we felt our bodies decompressing. Mm. And there was just something about that space, like it felt like a spiritual yeah. experience, yeah. which is a very mystical thing to say. But, like, that's the only way I can yeah. describe what's happening. And it was interesting just walking around here, and, and there's just something about the space, mm. you know, that feels different. Mm. And that's not really a question, but I'm just interested to hear, like, have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, so, like, I'm a counsellor. So one of the things that I'm really passionate about for my work is creating safe spaces and, and I often say to clients, you know, safe, sacred space, because this is a space where, you know, that there's room for them to meet God in this space as well. So that's like very much a part of my thinking and, and, and how, what I'm looking for. And, and so, like, when we came here, it was like, yeah, because there is space here, like, on a, in a whole new level. It, I mean, there's just such a lot of space, and it's beautiful space. Um, so, yeah, I think we totally know 
that it will be a place where people will come and be restored and healed and just breathe like you just described you experienced in the space you're in because our lives people's lives are getting more and more cluttered and messy and busy and pressured and social media and all the demands that actually you know we I think we're going to have to be more conscious and intentional and re- and recognize the fact that actually we don't survive well without kind of coming apart and just like you described stopping and breathing Mm. and Mm. soaking in the space and and even for like I've I've lived in the city since I was 18 in Cardiff because I came to uni there and lived there ever since um and I thought I would hate living in the valleys living out of the city but it's just been like the best thing when we when we moved here just before covid lockdown um and so we've been living here now for kind of 18 months or so it's like i love it because i wake up in the morning i sit with my cup of tea and i look out of the window in the flat we're in and i look at that mountain and it's Mm. like i look at the trees and it's like Mm. i can breathe i can breathe now i feel different Mm. i feel different just from being in a different area um but yeah i think i think god's going to use this i know he's going to use this space in the ways that you just described mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i think sometimes our spirituality can get disconnected and there's mm-hmm. like this dualism of we compartmentalize off the spiritual things and the material things and yeah. but i think there's really something rich to be discovered in the holiness of creation, I guess, the sacredness of creation and coming alive to that and being aware of that. And yeah. God declares his greatness and graciousness through creation all the time. And, you know, he's totally in love with Jesus. And, we, and this is everything we have, everything we are is for his glory. So for us anyway... This is totally a space for him to use. Just you know, so we're trying. We are actively trying not to compartmentalize, as you say. Mm. Um, but just to live in a way which, which has a um, a, a rhythm about it, an un, was it the unforced rhythms of grace. Yeah, just flowing right through, and it does affect how we live. Um, and it, particularly in the valleys, because you can't live here as if you're living in the city. Yes. For a start, you've got to talk to people. <laughs> you've got to stop. <clears throat> if if when you're passing, you don't stop and say hi, how are you doing, and have a, at least a brief conversation, you're you're just being rude and ignorant. So you you just need to slow down a bit, take time for people, yeah. and. I think you've got to take time for yourself and just to sit in this environment. Um, you know, I, I just don't understand how you can hear God if you just go, okay, I've got about five minutes now before my next appointment laid on me. You know, it, it's not. Well, He does, in His grace, He will meet <clears throat> us like that, but it's not. I think the you'd best hear a way. lot more if you just sat down and be quiet for a bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> so, have there been. I mean, I'm sure they have over 
the process of the last five years or whatever it's been um, low moments where you think, what on earth are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that hat. Yeah, that hat. Um, well, we... So we brought our kids here before we owned it, mm. and um, and because we thought we needed to show that. I mean, they're adults; they're not living with us, so uh, it doesn't affect them in quite the same way as if they were still at home under eighteen. But we brought them here, and like our daughter thought we were apps. I mean, she was kind of she went fairly nuts. vocal fairly vocal about what on earth are we doing <laughs> you, we can't use the exact words that she said because we're, this is a family show <laughs> but she but I didn't yeah. know those words came out of her mouth oh, it was just amazing yeah no, I know so yeah and and interesting we were talking to our son yesterday and and I just noticed on Facebook when it throws up things, you know, your history. So it was six years ago that we sold our family home. I said to him, a quarter of your life, you haven't had a family home. And he went, a quarter of my life, I haven't had a family home. I mean, like, that's... I mean, it, it's not that big a deal, I guess, in the whole scheme of things. But, it, it, but it's, it's a loss, isn't it? Yeah. And so there have been... There have been... Lots of losses and hard things, really hard things. I think, thankfully, this. though, we haven't hit a low moment together. Mm. So, um, you know, we've had plenty of low moments between us, but we've never hit that moment together. So we've always been able to um, help the other, yeah. you know... Get perspective. Get some perspective. Yeah. And, you know, overall, if it was easy... Everybody would be doing it. <laughs> but it's not. And sometimes faith is spelt R-I-S-K. And taking that risk, stepping out, doing stuff that most people would think a bit a bit silly, a bit risky, a bit stupid. Um, yeah, because you know. when we bought this, um, we didn't really have enough money to build what we're building mm-hmm. um, and then Tim had before we kind of got into all of this made a decision to work in a different way so not to have a regular nine till five permanent job um, which was totally the right decision but um, it it's meant that he you know work isn't regular and pay isn't regular and during lockdown he didn't earn anything for quite a few mm, months not much. so like it has been really stretching hasn't it um really really stretching but like god's been amazing mm. hasn't he mm. and he's he has looked after us so well so um yeah, yeah. it's been very stretching but like, would I not have gone through this? No, I mean, it's it's changed us both, I think. I mean, mm. Tim has spent his whole life being a, an accountant and finance director. He's now thinking he's going to be a builder for, you know, the next five or ten years. Yeah. And I know that I'm a, just a different person in so many ways. Yeah, I think we've, we've, we've grown, um, uh, grown together. 
yeah. and our relationship with the Lord has grown as well through this. Um, and um, we always thought we were fairly robust and resilient, um, but I think you know we 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 are we, there's um you know it has been testing times, and it that sounds a bit silly in some ways because testing times you, you're just building a house. Come on, get on, <laughs> get over it. But um, just the journey, the process, the you know trusting in Him, um, it's all it's all learning. It's all good learning. Um, yeah, because in our mind, completing the house the is beginning. just phase one of like we don't know how many phases. It could be twenty. Um, so it's kind of a lot like oh, we've got a nice house to live in now. We can sit back and enjoy the house. Obviously, hopefully, we will get to enjoy living here. I mean, it's going to be a a beautiful space to be in, but um, that's like just like a A a tiny part of it in our mind. Um, So this has never been about building a house in the country. This has always been about the kingdom of God and what he wants to do here um, and what he wants to do in this valley and what he wants to do in this nation. So it's kind of like we're just taking our place along with, you know, you and everyone else. Like, But this is the place that God's kind of mm. wants us to be in. Yeah. And like, why? Why here? Why us? I, I don't know. And we were thinking about this yesterday. Well, well, oh no, tell the story about um, what your career's interview at school. Yeah, uh, so yeah, so um, when you're 16 or whatever, you go along to your careers advisor and um, in school. Um, but I think there was a series of questions, series of things. And at the time, I thought, Do you know what, I'd love. To, I'd love to own a farm. I'd love to go to agricultural college, yeah. learn how to be a farmer. And I wrote it off straight away because I thought, I'll never be able to afford a farm. I'll end up just working for somebody else. I'll end up being a farmhand. And that's not quite going to scratch the itch for me. Yeah. So I just wrote it off. Um, but And I didn't even know that about him, right? So I'd forgotten I'd been yeah. married to him for a couple of decades. And then... Like we were in the middle of this whole process, and and oh, you remembered yeah, one day, yeah. and it was like, oh my goodness, yeah. and it it's just like God knows the desires of our hearts, doesn't He? And He knows us better than we know ourselves. So like, if someone had told me, oh, you're gonna own a farm, I would I would honestly say, don't be ridiculous. It would be like so not my thing, um, but. Like he knew that I would, I would love this. there been moments of provision where you think wow god's really in this and he's got our backs yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. um there was a couple of couple of events one uh it was just after 
uh, Christmas just gone. Uh, we sold a car. We sold um, yeah, the kids. The car. kids had a car um, that they learned to drive on. Brilliant little car, but it was they didn't need it. They didn't want it, so we ended up selling it. Sorry, start uh, one step back. We got a gift of fifty pounds. Oh yeah. Was that through the door? Yeah, someone just posted it through the door. Randomly. Yeah. £50 through the door. And we yeah. thought, Lord, thank you. That's so good. Like, because we didn't know who it was. So, like, when someone gives you something and you don't know, it's like, yeah. that's amazing. That's so kind. So we thought, Lord, increase it. You know, because you think, uh, uh, was it 10, uh, 60, 80, 100 fold? We were just yeah. thinking, okay, Lord. And then we sold the car for £500. We thought, okay, that's Which 50. was unexpected, wasn't it? £500. And then we think, Lord, can we add another note? And, <laughs> and, and someone made a bank transfer into my bank account for £5,000. Oh, yeah. As a gift. Then shortly afterwards, we had a gift of £1,000. Yeah. From somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was lovely. And then we thought, oh, Lord... Can we add another note? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we got... And someone um, offered us an interest-free loan. Yeah, of £10,000. £10, which is amazing. Uh, and, we, and we were praying then for... Come on, add another note. Come on, Lord. 100000 we, Well, we, we haven't, haven't had that yet. We haven't seen that yet. <laughs> <laughs> but so a nice. very dear friend has, uh, has loaned us, um, you know, a fair bit of money yeah. to finish. And, um, yeah... It's just been provision. But it has been a real faith journey for us. Mm. Because, like, we've never done anything like this. We've always... I've always had a good job. And money in the bank. And just been able to do what we needed to do. But we haven't been able to do what we've needed to do here. It's been bigger than us. And, And we always knew that this was bigger than us. So we had to trust God to provide what we needed. And he has. Yeah. So final question. As you are working around this space and your mind is wandering, uh, what are you dreaming of all that this could be? What do you imagine happening here on the land in this space um, if everything went better than you could ask for or imagine? Um, We had, when we kind of started, when we were dreaming about it, we had a couple of ideas of what we'd like to be a bit like. We'd love to be a bit like Folder Brennan, mm-hmm. in that um, they had such an impact on their locality, blessing that area. And, um, you know, we've been, we've been there um, right from the beginning, actually, we, we were there. Um, and have loved the place and so we kind of thought that would be if we could be a bit like that if we could and then the other place that we saw was um, there's some worship leaders called Jonathan, David and Melissa Helser who are in the States and their parents had a 50 acre farm and on that farm Jonathan and Melissa Helser have started like a worship school and we thought, ah, oh, that would be fun to do something like that, to have a worship school on the land. Um, it's a creativity <clears throat> school, really. So they, yeah, oh they, yeah, yeah, it is. They, yeah, yeah. They kind of yeah. do teaching and stuff in the morning, and then in the afternoon they 
they work with their hands, whether that's farming yeah. or all kinds of things. So, I mean, that would be... So, if it was a kind of a... Bl- it's a, it's going to be a blend of things that are deeply spiritual, incredibly practical, and incredibly creative, and, and probably just a little bit wacky as well in terms of... Uh, we're not quite sure how we're going to do it, but we've, you know, we've got a project. We've got a new project. We're going to convert this, or we're going to do this, or we're going to build that. How are we going to do it? I'm not sure, but we're going to go for it. You know, those that kind of blend between something which totally honours God, but it, and totally practical, honouring the land and and you know what space that there is, and then some absolutely crazy dream stuff. Yeah. So like I, I kind of recognise sometime in my 30s that the thing that I get most excited about is transformation. I love to see things transformed. So, like, I watch all those housey programmes where they transform yeah. things because I love seeing something that was a wreck become something beautiful. And now I'm a counsellor, and so I'm working with people and seeing transformation all the time. So, like, I'm totally passionate about seeing things transformed and fulfill their potential I guess and I know that we are going to see well I won't put a number on it but countless lives transformed uh, here not because of us I'm not saying that oh it's going to be because they come and see us but just because they're coming to this space that's like a God space and and they'll encounter him and their lives will be changed. So we um, we we had a really lovely thing happen on Saturday. Mm. Early on here, we had a guy who was an asylum seeker who lived in Cardiff come and help us. We were connected with a project in Cardiff that works with asylum seekers and refugees. And he came once and he asked if he could come again. And he came every Saturday. Mm. We'd bring him up when we were living in Cardiff for probably two years, do you think? Almost. Um, Almost. And uh, he he moved away and we moved out of car and things like that. So we haven't seen him for a little while. And I said to Tim, well, we should message him and see what's happening. He's got status now, so he's got refugee status um, and he's married and got a little boy. And so we messaged him on Saturday and said, oh, how you doing? We're talking about you and remembering you and, and... and he messaged back straight away, didn't he? And he said, you've no idea what it meant to me coming to work at the farm. It saved my life. Mm. And, like, like we didn't do anything. Do you know what I mean? We didn't... We didn't... Fact, I was feeling guilty because he worked hard. He worked really <laughs> he hard. He worked really hard. And, and, you know... And he came up faithfully. But I think... Somehow it was a lifeline for him at a time when he was really fragile Mm. um, and it transformed him. Mm. So I guess he's just an example of we're expecting, you know, thousands of people Mm. to experience something Mm. like that here in the years to come. Not because of us, but just because Mm. they come to this space and encounter God. I guess we're also thinking that we're not going to be able to do it all. So we're also thinking we've got to to share it. It's got to be part of... Partnering. 
yeah partnering with people it's got to be community of believers helping to to see it through and we're also thinking in terms of legacy you know we're, we're just at the start of this journey but you know what is it going to be like in say 50 years 100 years mm-hmm. our heart is that our children's children children you know that kind of legacy of 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 godly witness in a place will just carry on and so that it will be much more than we could ever dream so we've got dreams but i'm expecting them to be just so small in terms of how the, the, gonna do. the bigness yeah. of what god yeah. could do yeah. if we keep humble keep our hearts right yeah. and stay keep obedient. listening and stay obedient yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for giving the time. I feel really privileged just to be able to come here and look in at this moment in the process. And uh, I'm excited for all that's to come and where this will go. So thanks. You're so welcome. Thanks. Thank you. Say it, Bryn Gobaith. Gobaith. Bryn Gobaith. Hill of Hope. Nice. So, this is quite a unique one, really, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't imagine I'll ever do a similar one. Yeah. Yeah. I started reading a book yesterday called Red Skies, which is a bunch of different authors that do like a chapter each. And the title's based on when Jesus says, I think to the Pharisees, um, you know how to read the sky, as in mm. when it's red in the evening, you know, it'll be good weather. When it's red in the morning, you know, it's, it'll be stormy weather. But you don't know how to read the signs of the times. And so the idea of the book is these leaders and thinkers reading the signs of the times of what they perceive is going on in the world and in the church and speaking kind of perfectly to how the church can respond but anyway in the first chapter this one guy was talking quite a bit about the climate crisis and how big a deal it is Mm. and how seriously the church should be taking it as the people of God and then he was saying as well how like the very first thing humans were commissioned Mm. to do was to care for creation Mm. yeah and so I was just thinking with this episode, you know, how the idea of buying, like half a mountain, <laughs> <laughs> the idea of buying loads of land and just wanting to care for the land and yeah. let the land flourish is such a unique story, but it probably shouldn't be. Yeah. yeah. It should yeah. be exactly the kind of thing that Christians do. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, because she was talking about cleansing the land, wasn't she? Mm. And she was talking about reclaiming it and clearing it. And I thought, that sounds like bringing order out of chaos. Mm -hmm. Mm, That sounds like, you know, the first command that humanity had of to subdue the land, to like bring that order, Mm. to cleanse it, to reclaim it. Yeah, Yeah. that, that struck me as... 
absolutely something that we should we should all be doing and and something that's so like primitive to who humans are Mm. yeah and i think the problem is that there's this classic spiritual physical divide that happens Mm. isn't there and so the idea of working with creation for it to flourish doesn't sound like a very spiritual thing yeah. And so it feels secondary to us. Yeah. Rather than this holistic integration of the physical and the spiritual that the Bible mm. presents to us. Yeah. Where caring for creation and seeing it flourish and redeeming aspects of it is significantly spiritual. Yeah. And it's just an integral part of the human vocation. And I think one of the things that we do is a spiritual kind of non-spiritual divide, but also we think of spirituality in a really intellectual way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we think of spirituality as getting information, processing that information so that it impacts the way that we live. Whereas what they're doing is a very physical thing. So saying about holistic, I suppose, in, in that way as well, like holistically within ourselves of... I mean, who who can, like, clear plastic and rubbish and crap from a land and just and feel that they're doing something for the kingdom while they're doing it? Like, that takes a very... And even now I'm saying, thinking that takes a very clear understanding of spirituality, but it's, it is that, in, for me especially, I think, that prioritising of the intellectual part of spirituality rather Mm. than holistically the physical the emotional the mental and i think that they think about they think about their walk with jesus in in that way a lot better than i do certainly Mm. it's quite encouraging yeah i think so it reminds me of my my mum so my mum's an artist um and she does a lot of work in uh, to do with like landscape work and like creation and has worked with quite a few hospitals so put in artwork that represents um an experience of the landscape um inside hospitals or or in kind of dead space that patients kind of stare at for for long periods of time so so some of that like stuff has kind of trickled through to me in terms of the uh, like caring about the kind of mental health benefits of being in creation and how that's completely um entangled with a spiritual thing of of creation is is God's creation so of course it's going to be good for us and it's really interesting to like you're saying just to, to kind of see that in from a different perspective in terms of like the experience of of being in creation and, and caring for creation. Mm. Um, and, like, they talked about that guy who'd w- worked on the farm with them for, for quite yeah. a while and how actually that's a lifeline for him. Um, and, like, that's that's got to be in so many ways, I'm sure, um, even just, like, you know, the routine of it or, or whatever. But, but even thinking about... I don't know, it's just really interesting to me, that thing of... So care, so caring for creation and caring for, for land and and stuff like physical, tangible stuff that God has made, mm. um, being like a, a, a massive 
part of well he said that it saved his life yeah. like and yeah that that makes me that makes me wonder the connections between mm-hmm. mental health creation spirituality like a redemptive practice yeah because probably most people i would imagine would you know if they go for a walk in the hills or in a forest or whatever it may be would find that a refreshing and restorative kind of experience (laughs) maybe not if there's like intense hiking involved or whatever (laughs) but but just the actual being in that kind of environment Mm -hmm. and it makes me wonder how much we've lost over the millennia (laughs) um and how like badly we've gone wrong as humanity in creating a world that there's a lot of good to and beautiful creativity to but actually in a lot of ways is quite synthetic yeah and manufactured yeah and disconnects us from creation yeah and i wonder how much of that plays into a lack of awareness or lack of uh urgency about the state of the world because Mm. we live in these manufactured synthetic worlds and that's not even a start speaking about the technological world we live in as well and so it it all just feels quite insulated and disconnected Mm. from the earth a lot of the time Mm. yeah Yeah. you know what i mean and so i think there's both a need for getting out into the more untouched parts of the world, but also finding ways of bringing the the naturalness of creation mm. into our manufactured world, which is essentially what your mum is doing with yeah, her art. Yeah. Is she's yeah. trying to bring that sense of refreshment and renewal of creation into dead spaces, into mm. manufactured cold spaces. Yeah. Which again, I think this is something that, we probably don't talk about all that much in the church. Yeah. yeah. I was um, in Swansea recently um, for a friend's baptism and on the back of their church notice, like on the notice board at the back of their church, they had flyers for Eco Church. Right. And they're um, an organisation. This is just what I saw on the flyer. I haven't looked into it or anything. But they're an organisation and part of what they do is help churches to become more eco-friendly in Mm. the way that they operate and I was and I just thought that was brilliant um and again like looking at that first commandment and and just I remember talking to you actually Faith Mm. when we were going for a walk around the park about why those landscapes are so refreshing Mm. and you were saying about how it's a space that essentially God has designed there's more of God's design in that space than than like in a building because when you look at the final chapters of revelation it talks about a city Mm. um and a city that god has designed i don't know whether you want to say anything about that i have no recollection of that conversation (laughs) (laughs) that's brilliant it's stuck in my it's stuck in my brain like been like oh yeah like ever since it was like a couple of years ago and you're like oh i don't remember that's fantastic no, I think there's something as well for me in terms of the metaphors or pi- like the picture language throughout the Bible as well. It's very nature-based, isn't yeah. it? I mean, 
my history nerd will come out now. In um, uni, I did a module on ancient Israel, and I my essay, my like final essay for the module was about um, trees throughout the Book of Isaiah and how it's this whole like amazingly beautiful, complicated picture of Jesus, basically. And I think sometimes, even even that we without experiencing without having that like regular experience of creation we we get disconnected from some of the picture language and the kind of the picture language that's supposed to be quite experiential mm-hmm. yeah um and it becomes like yeah i know what a mountain is sure like of yeah mountains and valleys great i i know what that is whereas actually the physical reality of being stood in the middle of a valley and seeing the mountains either side of you is is very different yeah. to the intellectual idea of it yeah um so i think even in that there's a like i often think about it in terms of growth like when we look in the bible about this idea of how how we grow and we often talk about like seeds and and planting and all that kind of stuff you you get the idea of how a seed grows but when you actually plant seeds (laughs) and you have to wait flipping ages (laughs) for them to grow I remember growing some sunflowers a couple of years ago and being like however many weeks in and seeing like the tiny 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 little green shoot and being like yes we made it (laughs) and actually suddenly being like that's Mm -hmm. that's a very different idea of growth than intellectually knowing how a seed grows, but yep. also having fast food yeah. and all this stuff that's yeah. just instant. But yeah, there's something very tangible and very, very real and nitty gritty, but also very kind of metaphorically beautiful and, yeah. and all this kind of stuff that for me, the combination of those two things is like, this to me feels like that bringing heaven on earth because it's Yeah, both, it's living the story. You know? Yeah. 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 I thought it was interesting that they've talked about the unforced rhythms of grace mm. as well, this, like, slowing down. I think this whole, like, like you're saying, Lou, tending to a garden and the kind of slow process of that, as well as this idea of, like, just taking a bit of time, can almost feel a little bit, like, luxurious because everything is so, like, full-on. Yeah, it's all about productivity. Yeah. What, what are the results and the yeah. end goals? And- yeah, yeah. And I think it's easy for us to feel like we have to be in the middle of a busy community. Do you know what do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm trying yeah. to say? Mm-hmm. There's like a there's like from listening to their story, they've really understood that there's permission to focus on what it is that's at hand right now. And that comes with the seasons, that comes with springtime where you sow and harvest where you reap, whatever, mm. you know, that comes with this season we're clearing load of junk out this season we're planting things this season we're you know there's rhythms of grace but there's rhythms that are set into creation as well because our god is consistent god isn't he so Mm. there'll be rhythms to our lives which should be in tune with the rhythms of creation Mm. yeah and i think it's about having the patience to see the big picture as well in that it's been a lot of years for them this process Yeah. yeah and only kind of now that they've moved into the house and it's done, can they start thinking about the land a bit more and getting in some cattle or starting to welcome the project or whatever? There's been all of these years of just preparation mm. before mm. 
the stuff could actually start happening. Yeah, five to yeah, ten yeah. years of waiting, they said. Waiting yeah. for something, not yeah. even knowing what it was. Mm. And so there's, in our productivity-centric culture, which has this demand of showing the results of yeah. whatever it is you're about, um, it would be easy just to write it off. Be like, we're mm. not getting anywhere. Uh, but having the patience just to see the big picture and be like, okay, this is what God is calling us into for our lives. Mm. And yeah. so it might take 10 years of no real substance or results yeah. that can be measured. But in 40, 50 years, it'll be worth that period of yeah. preparation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think even that as well, though, I think there's a valuing of the land itself. Like it's not utilitarian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, the yeah. land isn't just fulfilling a function, but yeah. you're kind of honouring it and yeah. letting it be what it's supposed to be. Yeah, and I think I think what you mentioned about permission, mm. I think that's probably what I'm like thinking about most. One of the things um, they said actually was there's a cost. So when they talk about clearing the land, there's a cost to what we're doing. Oh, there's a cost, but this is what God is asking us to do. And I think there's a a value in the land itself and a value in just obedience and doing yeah. what God has asked them to do, even mm. if it's something as simple as clearing rubbish from a land. Mm. And the process, a value in the process and understanding a value in the process. And I think it comes from years of experience of seeing good things come out of processes. Mm. Yeah. And, and the humility in that of recognising that they don't have the capacity or the gifts, the skills to do everything that could happen yeah. in that space when it's ready to go. And so just being willing to say, we're going to prepare this space and hold it with open hands yeah. and allow other people to come and use it mm. and to not need it to be all about them yeah. <laughs> do you know what mm -hmm. I mean and to not need to be at the centre of everything that's happening in that mm -hmm. space when it's up and going but mm -hmm. just to be willing to host and mm -hmm. to kind of have a, a, a blank canvas for mm -hmm. whatever may come and the things they've got on there are really cool so like when she was talking yeah. about what they had I was like oh I've looked into that oh, I've looked at that, that's really cool. Um, like aquaponics and Montessori teaching and stuff like that. And I just was, I just thought there's a theme in all of these things, which is there's like, there's kingdom values mm -hmm. in aquaponics and there's kingdom values in a Montessori approach to like raising children and childhood and teaching. And there's kingdom values in having beehives. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And to like, go back to what we talked about earlier with it's starting with a garden and a commission to yeah. cultivate and to tend and the story ending with a garden city mm. where there's like this progression that's happened. And a lot of what humanity has done over the ages is like a distorted version of what we were called yeah. to do, where we have been creative, but actually it's come at the cost of creation itself yeah and it's been damaging to creation itself and it's often been fueled by greed or it's been done off the back of slavery or other dehumanizing yeah. things 
And so we've built these cities and civilizations and technologies, but gone about it in the wrong way. Mm. And so a lot of the things that they're thinking about doing with their comparatively to the whole creation, small space, <laughs> um, is that same work of working with creation, but doing it in a way that honors creation mm. and mm -hmm. the creator and doesn't exploit creation, yeah. but harnesses those raw materials and mm. gets creative with them and develops them and forms them into something mm. that you could imagine being in the new heavens and new yeah. earth. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think what we've done as well is we've separated the garden and the city. It's all that segregation again, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Segregation of like and categorization that humans do to try to try to process what we what's going on inside of us. I was thinking similarly recently about gathered worship spaces, environments, mm. and how often there's kind of a a reaction against the smoke and the lights. Mm. And I'm not going to delve into that conversation. But I think some of that is valid critique. Um, <laughs> but again, we can swing the other way and say, well, we don't want to manipulate this environment. We don't want to manipulate people's emotions. And should we just get rid of all of that stuff? But when someone's on a mountaintop or overlooking a beautiful valley or by a waterfall they've got no problem with seeing this beauty and it producing a worshipful response mm. in their yeah. hearts so why then have we got a problem with humans trying to fulfill our vocation of creating beautiful environments that um assist in our worship mm. of god and so that wouldn't lead me personally to investing in strobe lighting and smoke machines. <laughs> um, Sunday's going to look really different. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, if that works you for people. <laughs> but, but it does make me think that we should, yeah, we should take seriously the value of aesthetics mm. yeah. and creativity when it comes to spaces and sights and sounds and smells that all help us in having an appropriate response of worship, you know? Yeah. And I think the conversation gets complicated when you're talking about how much money you spend on those things. But yeah. but even so, I think there's something to that of God's creation leads us to worship. Mm. And so how can we participate with his creation to also create things which would produce a worshipful response? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Emerging Stories podcast. If you enjoyed it, why not send it to a friend or post it to your socials? And if you're wanting to track with us, give us a follow on whatever platform you're listening to this on, as well as our Facebook and Instagram. Cheers.